Hello, and welcome to episode 17 of the Frame Lab podcast. Hey, George. Hey, Gail. Well, we are coming to you today from George's garden, which is very lovely in the sunshine. So if you hear some ambient noise in the background, that's why. Uh, yeah, we always have ambient noise out here. Uh, it could be birds, it could be planes, it could be traffic going by, but, uh, you know, expect ambient noise. Well, the main topic we're going to discuss today is Michael Bloomberg, who has quickly risen to become a very serious contender for the Democratic nomination for 2020, thanks to over $300 million in advertising. He originally said he wouldn't run, and then in November he changed his mind, and now he's spending nearly half a billion dollars by now to try to win the Democratic nomination. Of course, Bloomberg spent most of his career as a Republican. He supported George W. Bush in the 2004 election. As mayor, he enforced controversial policies, including stop and frisk, which many saw as racist, and expanded surveillance on Muslims. He opposed Obamacare. He's been sued over 60 times for sexism in the workplace. Uh, He said things like he's against higher minimum wages. The list goes on and on of the ways in which Democrats, Mm -hmm. progressive Democrats, are now attacking Bloomberg. But he's now a main factor in the primary. There's no denying that. Um, Some Democrats seem to think that only a billionaire can compete with Trump, and others see Bloomberg as a Republican billionaire who's trying to buy the Democratic nomination in order to stop Bernie Sanders and Elizabeth Warren. So we're going to ask George some questions today and kind of go over the ins and outs of this. And so I guess my first question, George, is, is there a problem with a super wealthy individual being able to essentially buy their way to a nomination? Yes. (laughs) In a word, uh, this is a democracy, supposedly. Uh, It's not a uh, plutocracy. And uh, they shouldn't be able to buy their way uh, in any way. Uh, This is kind of outrageous for uh, Bloomberg, who has mostly been a Republican, uh, to come in and all of a sudden say, oh, uh, you know, give me your nomination uh, for this other party that I've never been in. I mean, this is outrageous. Uh, the Democrats should not take, take, you know, take him seriously. And in fact, they should be attacking him, you know, for, for being there. And they're not. They're sort of saying, okay, welcome. You know, uh, come on to the stage. Be one of us. Part of that, don't you think, is driven by the fear that Donald Trump may be unstoppable? We've had this primary where a lot of there's been a lot of up and downs, right? Mm-hmm. Everyone thought Biden was the front runner and couldn't be beat. He's sort of faded into fourth place. Uh, Elizabeth Warren, Kamala Harris, all these people had their peaks and surges, but then fell down. People are afraid that Bernie Sanders can't win because he's a socialist. They think Buttigieg is too young. So. We're at this early part of the primary contest where people are getting a little nervous and scared. And so some people see a billionaire coming in on a white horse willing to spend a lot of money and be just as mean and rude as Trump, and they think he's a savior. So in a way, do you think that um, some Democrats might be susceptible because of their fear of a Trump re-election, they may be willing to make a deal and allow Bloomberg to be the nominee? That's what I fear. And uh, Bloomberg 
has done uh, has had uh, some policies uh, that fit with the Democrats. I mean, he hasn't been you know all uh, you know all Republican policies. He's had you know all sorts of uh, decent things that he's done. So and he can put those forward as, as if they are representative of who he is. They're not representative. They're you know part of the picture. On that point. If you look at Bloomberg, there's a lot to criticize very harshly. I did that in a column for the Sacramento Bee. I criticized the racist stop-and-frisk policy. At the same time, Bloomberg has done a lot of great work on things like climate change. He's fought tobacco companies. He's fought uh, the soda companies, which are always pumping massive amounts of sugar into communities, increasing diabetes and other Mm -hmm. bad health outcomes. And so... That's mostly the Bloomberg I've thought about here because I've never lived in New York City and didn't live there when he was mayor. But there is this other side to him. So I guess the question I have for you is, is Bloomberg conservative, progressive, or both? He's both. He has some of both, and um, that's uh, not enough. I mean, the point is that if you're going to have a Democrat, you want a real Democrat. You want a Democrat who upholds um, uh, the um, best parts of what the Democratic Party has been for and does it with strength, not somebody who is coming in halfway. In what ways is Bloomberg a strict father conservative? In your books, you lay out this conservative moral hierarchy, rich over poor, men over women, whites over other races, straight over gay, strong over weak. And in some ways, Bloomberg has typified that kind of moral hierarchy. Yeah, he has that moral hierarchy. He has those values. Um, And uh, although he isn't uh, entirely a strict father figure, he does have the conservative moral hierarchy to a great extent. Uh, much more than uh, any Democratic candidate should. So and basically, he shouldn't be a Democratic candidate, period. He definitely with things like stop and frisk is very strict father. If you saw his comments yes. there, we just kind of said you Xerox a description of a young black or brown male and you throw them up against the wall and that's a murder suspect. This resulted in potentially millions of uh, young men of color being deprived of their constitutional rights and humiliated and, and, and violated. And the idea there seemed to be that, hey, if, it, if I perceive it to be an effective technique, which evidence suggests it was not, then it's an okay thing to do. Um, mm-hmm. So there is that way in which the conservative moral hierarchy is something he exemplifies. But in what way do you think that the conservative side of some voters may see a man who is supremely wealthy as the superior candidate. I think some of what I see in in Bloomberg's support from some voters so far is that, well, he can spend the money, and he's got the money, and he made the money himself. And so it seems to be working in his favor that he's wealthy. That's correct. I mean, it it is working in his favor. Uh, He's got the money. He made his money. I mean, you know... um, uh, from Bloomberg News, and, uh, you know, yeah, uh, but that's not what the Democratic Party is about. He shouldn't be getting a Democratic nomination on that basis. If he can pull it off, and um, the latest news is he's made the debate in Nevada, the first debate he'll have made, 
he entered late, so he didn't even run for president in the way everyone else has. He kind of jumped in at a moment of fear, uh, using a tremendous amount of money to some to suddenly appear formidable to people. Um, if he can pull it off, his campaign's operating principle seems to be that only a rude billionaire can beat a rude billionaire. Um, and some Democrats, if we said, are desperate to defeat Trump and fearful of Trump's reelection, and they're kind of buying into the idea. But what would it mean for a Republican billionaire to become the standard bearer for the Democratic Party? And is this brilliant by conceptualism, or is it a complete defeat for the Democratic Party if that happens? It's a defeat for the Democratic Party. If he beats Trump, uh, it's a good thing for the country. Uh, but not a good thing for, I mean, he's not, he, he's not a Democrat, <laughs> you know. It, we would not have a Democratic president. Uh, it's not even clear who he would appoint, you know. <laughs> if he would appoint Democrats, you know, the whole thing isn't clear. But, you know, the question is, uh, and I think uh, this is the major thing, they want to defeat Trump at all costs. And if you compare um, uh, Trump versus Bloomberg, it's Bloomberg's certainly a lot favorable to Trump, you know, and that's what I think people are thinking, that he, they're thinking that none of the Democrats can beat Trump, maybe maybe this billionaire can. Yeah, and the polls do show uh, all the major Democratic candidates beating Trump in hypothetical polls. Now, we don't know what will happen between now and November, but we've only had Iowa and New Hampshire so far. Nevada's the next one, mm -hmm. then South Carolina. So in a way, it seems to me that people are sort of panicking preemptively. And the Bloomberg campaign is taking advantage of that panic to frame a narrative of this is inevitable, only I can do this. And I think we'll see more on Super Tuesday and in the debates tomorrow, um, whether in fact Biden is truly done, whether this Bloomberg surge is going to withstand all of the vetting he's now getting mm -hmm. as a result of uh, his rise in the polls. Once you rise in the polls, all the vetting and the oppo comes out. And so all the sexist things he said, all the racist things he said, mm -hmm. uh, there was a, a clip are, are coming out now. There was a clip online where he said, well, you know, that, you know, Medicare is wasteful because if a 95 year old goes to the doctor you sh with prostate cancer, basically he should just be sent home with no treatment which is not what a lot of elderly people are going to want to hear from no, their presidential candidate. <laughs> and so um, I don't think there's any evidence that Bloomberg can actually beat Trump just with the money alone. Mm -hmm. Bloomberg is famously wooden and uncharismatic, and Trump does have a pretty good deal of charisma and showmanship, as we've seen in the past. Right. Um, now that Bloomberg is being heavily criticized for his past comments about women, people of color, healthcare, farmers, you name it, some of his defenders are saying that if you criticize Bloomberg, you're only helping Trump. And look, this has been a really passionate primary with a lot of Democrats advocating for their candidate and attacking other candidates as a result. Isn't that the purpose of a primary, though, to vet candidates and narrow the field? You bet it is. It is really important. And uh, if you don't do that, it's going to come out in the presidential race. I mean, it's going to come out one way or the other. It should be vetted now. I mean, you, he can't be running for president and not having all this stuff come out. You've long time been a critic of the Democratic Party's ability to communicate its values and frame the debate. What do you think of 2020 so far? Terrible. 
the Democratic Party is doing an awful job of framing its values as great values. You know, you don't know what they are. You know, you don't have the Democrats coming out and saying, uh, look, uh, this is a matter of a government of, by, and for the people. Of the people. You know, that's who should be in there. By the people. That's who should be running it. For the people. That's who the, this is about. This is uh, uh, a matter of uh, having public resources available for private life, for everybody. That's what the Democratic Party has traditionally been for, provide, having the government provide public resources to start businesses, to have private lives, uh, to be able to travel or you know, go to where you need to go or do what you need to do in your everyday life. Uh, you know, those are the things that the Democratic Party has stood for. And, you know, and in the past you've had um, someone like Elizabeth Warren coming out clearly saying these things, and she hasn't been saying them as loudly these days. Uh, you know, what the Democratic Party has not been saying what the Democratic Party is for, why it is important, why it is vital to the country, and why it has been vital in the history of the country. You need a strong Democratic Party and strong framing of the issues that the Democratic Party uh, is famous for. Uh, and we don't have it. I mean, I don't see any Democrats out there saying what needs to be said. Do you think that's just because there are too many Democrats all competing with each other right now and it's hard to hear one voice? I mean, I know Elizabeth Warren's having a really hard time getting heard because she hasn't been at the top of the polls. Buttigieg got a lot of attention for being um, for overperforming in Iowa and New Hampshire. Do you think there's still time for whoever the Democratic nominee ends up being to articulate those values clearly? Uh, I don't think so. I think if any of the present ones started to, it wouldn't fit with what they've been saying up to now. It'd be, it would feel strange. Uh, it'd be nice if they did. I think Elizabeth Warren probably has the best chance of doing so. Um, or Buttigieg could, but I don't see them doing it. And, you know, and I don't see Buttigieg, for example, coming out as a Democrat, as a strong Democrat. And there's no reason for him not to do that. That's crazy. You know, he wants to appear centrist or something like that. You know, what moving to the center is moving to the right. And it's not a good thing for him to be doing. He, he thinks that, you know, if you're, uh, you know, from the Midwest in the center of the country, you should be in the center of the politics or something. That, that's crazy stuff. Well, he didn't start out that way, though, right? Well, no, he didn't start out that way. But where is he now? It's interesting that you have that take on Buttigieg because Buttigieg famously read your work in college. Apparently, according to the New York Times, used to email with you in college. And uh, I first heard about Pete Buttigieg because you kept bringing him up when he was running for Democratic Party chair. I think that Pete Buttigieg has the greatest opportunity right now if he, would ta if he could take it. I have great confidence in him. I think he's, uh, he and Elizabeth Warren are the smartest candidates out there. Uh, I think he's thoroughly decent, uh, very, very competent, 
and um, you know, I'd like to see him doing better. If he were to email you again like he did in college, what would you tell him? I would tell him, you're a Democrat, and here's what the party stands for. And you have to be a strong Democrat. You have to say why the things that the party stands for are important and vital, absolutely vital for the maintenance of democracy and for uh, you know people in the country, and especially in the middle class of the country, uh, to be able to have decent lives. You know, come out, say it. You know, you know, if if you believe in a government of by and for the people, talk about it. You know, if you believe that public resources are absolutely necessary for private life, say it. You know, don't be shy. Why do you think Biden has faded so quickly? He is a terrible communicator. Just an awful communicator. He, he doesn't know how to get ideas across. He waffles. He's all over the place. Um, you know, he's not a bad guy. He's just, you know, awful at communicating. You very clearly thought that Trump could get reelected in 2016 at a time when others thought it was impossible and thought his candidacy was a joke. What do you see now in 2020? Same thing I saw in 2016. He has a very good chance of being reelected. And uh, it scares me. What I see absolutely scares me. Uh, because he's, he is coming across as the strong leader. The Democrats don't have a strong leader. They don't have a leader that can come out and say what it means to be a strong Democrat and why the country absolutely needs it and needs it to, to thwart uh, an autocracy under, uh, under Trump. Uh, you know, I don't see the Democrats saying what needs to be said. Do you think then, kind of to come to full circle with our conversation here, that's where Bloomberg sees the opportunity? He may not be a real Democrat, but he can be a strong leader? Well, he can. <laughs> what's funny about Bloomberg is that he's not a strong leader. He's just a rich one. <laughs> you know? What's the difference between the two? Well, he can put out lots and lots of commercials uh, that says he does this, he's done that, he might can get it done sort of things. But when he talks, you don't feel Mike can get it done. <laughs> you, know? <laughs> you know, they just have the commercials and there are lots of them and he's spending a lot of money on it. And, um, and, and he's using his wealth, with, you know, which he got, uh, you know, honestly through, um, you know, Bloomberg News. Uh, and, uh, you know, he's using his wealth uh, as a form of strength. And um, in a democratic society, wealth should not be the form of strength. What message do you have to our listeners who may be feeling worried and anxious about this election? What can they do or, or, or say or be a part of to somehow help or have an effect on the outcome? There are um, two, a couple of very clear framings of the democratic message that everybody should be saying, and I've just been saying them. Um, 
we want a government that is of, by, and for the people. Period. Not of billionaires, by billionaires, for billionaires. Or even of, by, of, by, of and by billionaires for the people. You know? That's really what this is about. And we need that. We need the idea that private life depends on public resources. I mean, Elizabeth Warren has made that so clear in the things that she said early. She hasn't said that recently, but she made it very clear early that, you know, you didn't build the roads, you know. Um, the roads were built by all of us. Uh, you use them if you have a business, you know, uh, and that's true for all sorts of things of, that are public resources. The idea of public resources isn't even a concept that's out there. Don't you think, though, that that's sort of what Bernie's message is? No. Bernie's message is that there ought to be uh, certain... He picks specific things. Healthcare, education. Very important things. I mean, these are not unimportant messages. Uh, I like those messages of Bernie's. And that they ought to be free... Which, is avail which means available to everybody automatically. Uh, and he doesn't make that really clear. Free does not mean uh, as, you know, just uh, you know, without cost. That they ought to be um, part of your birthright. You know, uh, part of freedom as opposed to not costing. There's a difference between two senses of free there, <laughs> and uh, and Bernie get you know doesn't doesn't get them clear. So um, you know those are things that he's he's not Bernie is not as good a communicator as he should be for for what he's proposing. Do you think that the the S word hurts his chances if he gets the nomination? I think so. I think being a socialist hurts him. Uh, well, it's a democratic socialist. He's a democratic socialist. Okay, fine. Uh, I don't. Ha I have no objection to what he calls himself as a socialist. He's not just not that different from other Democrats. Um, you know, it set him apart as mayor of Burlington. But uh, you know, it's been a while since he's been mayor of Burlington. Uh, you know, it, it doesn't help him nationally. Um, you know, uh, on the other hand, when he comes on and speaks about what he's for, he doesn't sound like he's going to take over the country and take, you know, put uh, corporations out of business. You know, that's not the kind of socialist he is. So if you actually listen to his proposals, they're not, you know, um, they're not the scary kind. They just have a bad framing. Yep, bad frame. <laughs>